And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast. On a Monday, I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. How about that performance? Team USA beats Team Europe 19 to 9 in the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits. What a performance by these young Americans in the Ryder Cup. Just every two years just continues to deliver, I think, the best event the most exciting event, the most compelling event when it comes to the game of golf. And for me, it's probably my favorite event in all of sports, Whistling Straits. What a golf course. Pete Dye was a master, folks. He was an absolute master. My favorite course architect in Whistling Straits just fits right in there with that. Kohler, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I was up there for a few days, had a great time. Spent a couple of days down in the city, looked around, had some food, had a couple of beers with some of the local, just kind of took it all in. Harley Davidson Museum, did an event at the aquarium on Lake Michigan. And I was impressed. It was the first time I've ever been up there. I love Whistling Straits, love Kohler, loved Milwaukee, loved the people there, just had a great experience all the way around. I've got some takeaways here for you. From my thoughts of watching the Ryder Cup and I think where things are going to go with the Ryder Cup as we look ahead. And of course, my first takeaway is Team USA. We talked about it all week leading into the Ryder Cup, really two weeks of prep, had a great guest list leading into the Ryder Cup. And I talked about, look, I think the USA is going to win this thing. And I think this is going to be the beginning of a new era of Team USA golf. And that's exactly what happened. Now, I was thinking four, five, six points. USA wins by 10. But this is a new era, folks. No Tiger, no Phil. I thought that was significant. And we're seeing now a young group of Americans coming in. And this means something to them. I can't help but think that when Tiger and Phil were playing and as big as icons, as they are. Tiger, perhaps the greatest player of all time. This aura, this godlike figure sitting in the locker room. Phil Mickelson, this huge personality sitting in the locker room. That as a player who perhaps maybe didn't know them that well, Tiger was tough to get close to. Phil was probably in his own world most of the time that it was tough not to feel a sense of being inferior to these two and wanting to live up to their expectations. That's just my thought. I've always felt that way. I talked to Scott Verplank on the panel about it. He tended to agree that it was a natural feeling. And as a result, I think Tiger and Phil, of course, we know what their records were. In the Ryder Cup, the Americans lost nine of the last 12. So no Tiger, no Phil, first time since 1993. Here comes this young group, no Patrick Reed. Yes, we had some drama with Bryson and Brooks. But this young team came together. I'd love to know the conversations that were had. One of them, I think, was probably they looked around and said, hey, I don't know about you guys, but I wasn't here the last 10 or 11, 12 events. I wasn't here. I don't care about any of that. I care about now. And I look around in this room in Team USA, and I know that there are better players in this room than what I see on paper over there 
in Europe. And of course, that's been the case most of the time. And well, Europe comes out and beats us. Not this time. Not in this new era. And these young guys, well, they came together as a team. They played for one another. And they represented this country extremely well and went out and played some terrific golf. And I think one of the things that was very cool about all this, two things. One is Steve Stricker did a great job. And it's really difficult to, I think, analyze a captain in this arena, in this format, because team golf is just not common in professional golf. We know that. 51 weeks or 50 weeks, because you have the Zurich, you play as an individual. And then you come together and like, okay, now you get to play as a team. That's a tall task, right? And yes, you got to go out and hit the shots. There's only so much that the captain can do, but there is some value there. How much, how little, it's tough to really put your hand on. But what we do know is that Steve Stricker has a full-time job, and that is to play professional golf on the Champion Store. And now he has another job, which is to captain the Ryder Cup that he has been doing now for the better part of a year and a half, two years leading up to it. Six automatic qualifiers, then he's got to pick six. And he's got to start figuring out how to create an environment for these guys to come together as individuals, as entrepreneurs, as brands. They have their own logos, multimillionaires. And he's got to get them to come together and start figuring out whose skill set complements one another, whose personalities fit with one another. And he did it. I think he did it. Now, I do think he was, you could compare Stricker to like Nick Saban in that Nick Saban has perhaps the best athlete at every single position. And now he's got to make that come together. And that's certainly easier if you had the seventh best player at every position. He had a great team. I mean, this team was stacked. It was the best team when it comes to the official world golf ranking on average, they were just under 10, but they were young also average age, just under 30. And they were hungry and there was no tiger and there was no fill. And it was time to come together and start a new chapter, a new legacy. And that's exactly what they did. Steve Stricker did a good job. The second thing within that is DJ became the captain. I had Claude Harmon III on the panel one night, his coach. And Claude looked at me, he said, you know, Travis, Friday was a huge day for DJ, those two points. It was a huge day for him. In fact, he was nervous going in. And Claude said, you know, DJ doesn't usually get that nervous, you know, or if at all. But they could tell he was nervous, that it meant something to him. And he was focused and he went out and got two points. And then after that, well, he got three more. DJ got five points together, fifth player ever to go five and oh. So Stricker did a great job and DJ became the captain. Sign me up for that. Dustin Johnson, the player's captain of the Ryder Cup. My second takeaway is on the other side, and that is Europe. Team Europe is in trouble. They're getting old. I thought Brandel hit it on the head leading into it. There's Ivy growing up 
the legs of some of these players. Ian Poulter's 45, Lee Westwood's 48, Sergio Garcia's 41. Now, albeit all three of those guys scored some points, and when you only had nine, well, you didn't have many bright spots on your team. Ian Poulter's amazing, folks. He really is. He's grown on me. He can be annoying. We've walked out of many Ryder Cups and saying, man, I'd love to punch Ian Poulter in the face. <laughs> Lee Westwood's been an absolute stalwart. Sergio, most points ever by any Ryder Cupper. I mean, you just have so much respect for these guys. But they're getting older. You know, they're getting older. Sergio probably has one more, maybe two. We'll see if Ian has one at 47. They're getting older. So you look at this team and you start thinking, well, who are going to be the staples of this team? Because it's easy to look at Team USA and go down that list and say, oh, yeah, these guys are going to be here for a long time. The, the, the list is deep. And you can go well beyond the 12 that we have. Sam Burns. I thought Burns should have made it over Scheffler. I tip my cat to Scheffler. He played great golf on the back night on Saturday and all day on Sunday beating the number one player in the world. John Rom. So who are the staples? Well, John Rom, no question, number one player in the world. He's so good. He's so much fun to watch. Such a great driver of the ball. Um, his wedge game, approach wedge game, so good. His putting, one of the best in the world. He's just become the most complete player in the game. He's going to be around a while. We know that Victor Hovland. I think it's going to be around a while. Victor Hovland's a ball striking machine. Do you realize that Victor Hovland and Colin Morikawa on Sunday shot a best ball of 59? <laughs> a best ball of 59. Victor Hovland's going to be around a while. I'll tell you, when Vic figures out that mid-range game and putting and he starts making a few more of those, I thought a short game looked much better. Um, he, he's going to be difficult. He's going to win a lot when he starts making more of those mid range putts under the gun. Um, he's going to be special Rom and Vic to me, that's one and two. Now, where do you go from there? I'll be kind here and say Shane Lowry as a third Shane Lowry played some good golf. Love Shane Lowry. Thought it was a great pick going in and it panned out that way for him. All right. I'll give him your third Terrell Hatton. Yeah, he's probably he's probably going to be around a while. Turtle Hatton hadn't played that well all year. Um, I don't think he really played that well at the Ryder Cup either. I don't think Turtle Hatton's really striking fear in any of the American players. But I'll give Team Europe that, that he's their fourth staple for the next years to come. But that's it, right? I mean, there's no other players that I would say on that team, well, that's those guys are going to be around for a long time and they are going to be tough to beat. They've had a lot of guys over the years that have played that haven't been able to maintain consistency on the team, like an Alex Noren, Martin Keimer, Jamie Donaldson, Matthew Wallace, Thomas Peters, Rafa Cabrero, Andy Sullivan, Francisco Molinari, Danny Willett. These are guys that we've seen pop up. None of those guys have been able to maintain any consistency and none of those guys are striking fear into the American players. So where is this next wave coming from Europe? Is it Guido Migliosi, Robert McIntyre, Hogard brothers, Sam Horsfield. I mean, these are the names that you have to start kind of looking at 
when you look at the European tour, you look at these next European players. Again, names that unproven, not striking fear into the American players. The European tour has really, in my opinion, as much as I like it, the level of play is regressing certainly week in and week out. And a lot of it is because all of their top players are coming to the United States and playing on the PGA tour. I saw a tweet on Saturday night and it was a funny tweet. And it said that I hope the Europeans come out Sunday morning and put some blue up early. If not, it's going to be a long flight home to Southern Florida (laughs) because that's where they all live. Most of them. They mostly live over here. They mostly play over here and they go over and play a little bit on the European tour, but we're just seeing more and more come this way. You saw it with Garrick Higo, the South African who won three times early as a young player. And then he came over to America and won in South Carolina. And now he's pretty much stayed here. And that's the way it is. And I think the European tour kind of getting more aligned with the PGA tour was the right move because I think long-term the European tour probably, and I hate to say this is becoming a breeding ground for the PGA tour, similar to a corn fairy tour. So you look at the order of merit race to Dubai points uh, over on the European tour right now. And I just pulled it up one and two are Americans. Number one, Colin Maurer, number two, Billy Horschel. That's number one and two in the race to Dubai. <laughs> John Rahm's three, Louis Ustazen's four. Paul Casey, Terrell Hatton, Abraham Answer, Will Zalatoris is eighth. Victor Hovland, Minwoo Lee, Guido Migliozzi, Richard Bland, Bern Wiesberger, Tommy Fleetwood, Matthew Fitzpatrick. And those are the names, the top 15 right now. Three of them are Americans, don't even play on the tour full-time in the top eight. In fact, when you look at it, Terrell Hatton's played 12 events. You have to pretty much go down to Minwoo Lee, who's played 15. He looks like he's playing fairly full-time. Guido's played 17. Richard's played 18. Burns played 18. So you got to go all the way down to 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th on the list to get to the guys that are playing the tour full time. So that's the status of the European tour. I love the European tour. I'm not trying to be a smart ass. I'm not trying to be a jerk. It's just a reality. The team Europe is in trouble. In fact, I would make the argument that the international team in the president's cup next year and for years to come is going to be the more competitive event. You look at the International Cup right now, updated rankings, President's Cup standings. Hideki Matsuyawa, Louis Ustazen, Joaquin Neiman, good young player. Abraham Yancer, good young player. Cameron Smith, good young player. Sanjay M, good young player. Garrick Higo, good young player. Corey Connors, good young player. Ortiz, Christian Bezetenhut, Siwoo Kim, Munoz, Leishman, Cage Lee, Cam Davis, good young player. And see it more. I think there's better players right now in for the foreseeable future coming in the President's Cup than there will be 
the Ryder Cup. That's the reality of the situation. My next takeaway from the Ryder Cup was Colin Morikawa. Colin Morikawa is special, folks. I mean, he is special. Now, we knew this already. He's got five wins, two major championships. But let me tell you something. If Colin Morikawa putts like he did at the Ryder Cup, he is going to win so many golf tournaments. That's the best I've ever seen his putting stroke look. It's the most fluid I've seen it. It's the most confident I've seen it. Now, he's putted well, don't get me wrong, in the past. But that right there to me, watching Colin Morikawa with that putting stroke was fantastic. He's a good driver of the ball. He's a great iron player, the best in the world. His short game is solid. And now his putting becomes, let's just call it good. Let's just call it top third. Special. Because he's comfortable in the moment. He knows how to win. And I just, I I look at the performance of every player. And yes, DJ was 5-0. DJ the captain. But to me, the guy that stood out the most was Colin Morikawa. Those two were matched together. And I was happy to see those two matched together. DJ and Colin. I felt that Spieth and Thomas were going to be playing a lot together in, in alternate shot. I felt that Xander and Cantlay were going to be playing together. We knew that. But I also felt that DJ and Morikawa would be a good match. And I stated that going in. And they ended up coming together. And they were really, really good together. It makes sense. You know, DJ drives it out there. Colin hits an iron shot. And can we stop with that DJ is kind of a mediocre putter? He's not, folks. DJ is a really good putter. Tony Finau is a really good putter. Now, do they have moments and situations where things don't come? Yeah, they do. Everybody does. But statistically, these are very good putters. And Morikawa and DJ were great, but you really look at it, particularly on Saturday, or on, yeah, on Saturday, every time they would come over to that match, it was Morikawa putting for the win, um, you know, in the best ball. I mean, he's just never out of position, it feels like. And when he does, he gets it up and down. He's just so good. He is so damn good. And if he putts like that, if he putts like that, he is going to win and win, and win. What a Ryder Cup player for years to come. Patrick Cantlay, what a Ryder Cup player for years to come. Xander Schauffele, what a Ryder Cup player for years to come. Man, fun to watch, exciting. My fourth takeaway is Dustin Johnson, who was 5-0. I'll give the MVP to DJ and Colin together. How about that? Colin, to me, stood out the most. But when you're 5-0, and oh, you've got to get that award too. Only five players have ever done that. He didn't think he would play five times, but I think Stricker did a great job of positioning DJ, perhaps, it feels like, as the guy that he wanted to become the internal captain. I think the intensity of JT and speed, their leadership, I think was noted. You could sense that, obviously, with JT's passion. Spieth being back in that locker room, I think was really important to get him back. But then you have DJ, who's the oldest, the most wins, 
The guys love him. And he goes out, he gets a couple wins on Friday. Let's keep riding the big guy. Gets a couple wins on Saturday. Let's keep riding the big guy. And gets his fifth win on Sunday. And it just goes back to the point that I've said all along with DJ. A focus DJ is must watch TV. Right? It's just when you when you have DJ's attention, it's must watch TV. He is incredible. I think DJ can lose his focus, as we all can, but I think DJ can go for a period of time. I think Rory loses his focus and his passion. Why is it that on Sunday he wants to be the first one out and he's focused and he's got peak Rory and he goes out and wins and he beats Xander handily? I mean, it's like when you get that, when you get those guys who I think can drift, right? I think more so than others, DJ and Rory. And then all of a sudden they become focused and they're all in not to say that Rory wasn't all in but there's just something missing with Rory this year and there has been yes I know he won in Charlotte and Rory can win with his B plus game but it's just you know it's I don't know you know with that that peak intensity focus you saw it was DJ you saw it I mean, he's getting out of the golf cart, seeking guys out, giving them high fives. I mean, is that, <laughs> I love it. I saw one, one video where he, you know, he gets out of the cart and Stricker was over there and he like seek Stricker out to give him a hug. I mean, it just, it's so cool to see. I love it. And that's the other thing the Ryder Cup brings out is you get to see these guys in a completely different light. I just, I, I love it so much. Xander's funny. My God. The dude had me laughing multiple times. Cantley's intense. His interview afterwards, sending a message. About that. It's just cool. I mean, it's just like we've seen it with JT. You know, he's a little older and what is he, 27, 28? And we've seen his intensity come out and getting the crowd rattled up a little bit and, and, Shotgunning a beer on the tee before Saturday afternoon. You're seeing Daniel Berger and a little bit of his personality. You're seeing Daniel Berger's probably of the 12 guys is probably the most confident of any of them. That dude's confident. So it's just, it's, it's cool to see, you know, you, you just see things that you normally don't see in the Ryder cup. It gets them out of their element because they're hanging out together. You just can't replicate that. The history of it. It's just, the best event in golf. Pete DJ is must watch TV. I absolutely love watching that version of Dustin Johnson. And then finally, my last takeaway is Bryson DeChambeau folks is getting the last laugh of Brooks Kepka. I've been critical of both of them, but this week went a long ways for Bryson DeChambeau. And I am so happy for him. I am because I think, Deep down, Bryson is a, is a good person. I think Bryson, as I've said all along, wants to be liked. I think the interview Bryson did after the event was the best interview that he has ever done in his professional career. I think he's getting coaching, and I think it's going to do wonders for him. I really do. He deserves the love in the way that he played. He was dominant, folks. Bryson DeChambeau is doing things on the golf course that we've never seen done before. A 417-yard drive on number five. I know it was downwind, but my goodness. (laughs) He's driving number one on a Sunday of the Ryder Cup. 
landing the ball in the green on another par. I mean, it's just another par four. It's just fascinating to watch. And how great of a putter is he? He's the best driver in the world and he's top 10 putting. And when he gets that approach game dialed in, and we've talked about it and I've been critical of Bryson, the approach game, when he gets it dialed in, you're not beating him. You're not beating him. Not at that length. You could see it with Sergio. I mean, you just have to tip your cap. Number 10, he's driving his three wood 10 yards off the green. I mean, just, you know, it's like, you know, that if, if the guy's hitting his wedges in there four or five feet, I mean, you're just, you can't, you can't sustain that from the distance that he's hitting it past you off of the tee. He dismantled whistling straights, dismantled it. I mean, it's just incredible to watch. And now he goes on to the long drive competition this week. I tip my cap to you, Bryson DeChambeau. You had a great week and you deserve the love and you're getting the last laugh over Brooks Kepka. Thanks for joining me here. Stripe Show Podcasts, Ryder Cup, Team USA. Feel good, folks. United States Golf, the PGA Tour, it's in great shape. We'll see you tomorrow as we get ready for the next event on the PGA Tour in Mississippi. Let's take a second to talk about the folks over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation across the golf industry and with golfers everywhere for its combination of value, performance, and customer service. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is flipping the script on golf technology through perimeter-weighted balls made with the high-density particles and proprietary nanotransitional layer offering players enhanced accuracy, control, and distance. Encore recently added the Vero X1 to its suite of award-winning golf balls, one that already included the Golf Digest gold-rated elixir and low-compression Avant 55. Through its full suite of golf balls, Encore can help transform any golfer's game. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more info about Encore and start revolutionizing your game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast.